0: As we come to Genesis chapter 49, we're told that Jacob gathers together all his sons because he wants to bless them. Isn't that exciting? This is a blessing meeting. And I don't know about you, but I wanna be blessed. I love, I just love the word blessing. It just is full of so much potential. And I love the idea of, blessing. Yes, I'm in. I'm first in line for a blessing. I don't know what it is. I hope it's not fish, but I'm in line for that blessing. I want a blessing on my life. Why? I think it's because we always equate blessing with provision, with prosperity, with purposes realized and a potential reached. But I don't think that we truly truly understand it biblically. Because biblically speaking, a blessing has to do with God making himself known in our lives. A blessing is bringing someone to the attention of God and God to their attention, bringing the intentions of God to their life. In other words, blessing is not meant to accomplish my will, but that God's will might be realized and brought forth in my life that his nature and his work and his purposes might be manifested in my life. In Genesis, the word blessed, Barak, this Hebrew word Barak, is mentioned 48 times. Now, maybe you've heard that blessing means, oh, how happy. That's a different Hebrew word. That's the word isher. And isher is what you have in Psalm one. Oh, how happy is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But this word Barak, or Barak, if I was going to try to act like I knew Hebrew, is mentioned, the word blessed, 22 times. Blessing is mentioned 13 times. And blessed, blessed is mentioned 48 times. So we understand that the overall theme, the word used more than any other word in Genesis, is this word, barak, or some form of barak. It's to bless, to be blessed. It's the verb, it's the noun, and it's past tense, present tense. And it finds its source in God. God is the first to bless. He blesses his creation. He blesses Adam and Eve because he's a blessing God. All blessings are sourced in God and all blessings come by way of God. God is good. Therefore, his blessing brings his goodness to our lives. Now, goodness is good unless you're evil. (laughs) If you're evil, then goodness becomes something harmful to you rather than something beneficial to you. If we are evil, then God's blessing and his goodness becomes a curse rather than a help. Again, God's blessings do not help us achieve our own ends, but they enable us to reach all the potential and good plans that God has for us. God's blessings are not an exemption from hardship, but they bring God's purposes to hardship. They bring God's um, goodness (laughs) to even the horrific circumstances and heinous events of our life. God's blessing does not correct or remove the hardship. God's blessing harnesses hardship and makes it bow to the greater purposes of God. A blessing is not always a promise of good, but a blessing can come in the form of a warning It can speak to us of the nature in us that will keep us from the blessings of God. It is a protective measure often. Uh, Recently, I was on a walk with my big old dog, Barnabas. And as we were walking, we were walking in a nature center. uh, This man uh, came up to me and he said, I want you to know there's a coyote um, back there. And to me, that was a blessing. That was a word of blessing because you know what? I amended my path and I did not walk that way with Barnabas because another word for Barnabas is bait, coyote bait. So we did not walk that trail. We changed our direction. A blessing also can be a challenge. It can be an opportunity or an inspiration. When someone speaks a blessing of your life, it speaks potential where you can go if you are willing to Take God at his word. It is said that D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist around the turn of the century, heard a man say, the world has yet to see the power of God unleashed in the man who will give himself totally to God. That was a blessing to D.L. Moody. That was an opportunity. And he gave his life fully to God because he wanted to see the power of God unleashed. A blessing can be a conditional promise, but a blessing is always a gift. If we heed it, it's a warning, and then we will be benefited. If we rise to the challenge or promise, we will realize the goodness of God. Ultimately, blessings have to do with bringing us under the watchful care of a great God, bringing us under the covenant blessings. But if you remember, those covenant blessings, blessings were also a curse if you walk with the lord you'll be blessed if you turn from the lord you will not be blessed or realize those blessings blessing someone is to give someone or something to god asking god to work his best in their lives Have you ever had someone speak a word over you that stays with you? It's that word that you can't forget. For some of you, it was a mean word and you cannot let go of it. You can't forget it. It was so mean. It was like, wow, why did they say that? And sometimes when something good happens to you, you're thinking, no, this can't be good because that word that was spoken and it it tends to derail you in your purposes. It, It tends to mar even the great things that can happen to you. But a word of blessing is a word that you can't forget. And it might be a word of warning. It might be a word of, Promise. I was recently reading a biography of Darlene Diebler Rose. She wrote "Evidence Not Seen," and when she was serving as a missionary, um, the Japanese took over the Pacific. She was there during um, the years of 1939 to 1944, and the Japanese took over the Pacific, and her missionary organization called them back to Indonesia. And she was arrested and put in a Japanese POW camp. And there she was for four years. But before she had gone into this camp, her her supervisor, a man named Dr. Jeffries, a really godly man, had said to her, Darlene, be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a word of blessing to her Um, through every temptation, through every hardship. It was that word, that phrase that would speak to her. She was called to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. God would give her the strength to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a sustaining word, a word that kept her and preserved her uh, during her time of internment and allowed her to come through as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we observe when we see how Jacob blessed his sons. In Genesis forty nine twenty eight. all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. Yet when we read the things that Jacob pronounced over his sons, the majority of what we read doesn't seem necessarily like a blessing. Imagine being told that you were going to a blessing meeting. What, what, what comes up in your mind when you think a blessing meeting? What do you expect? What comes to mind? Isn't it the idea of having great things spoken over you? But let's say you go to that blessing meeting and this godly man, a man known for his kindness, you're like, yes, yes, yes. He comes up and he's like, can I bless you? We're like, yes, please. Let's say he puts his hand on you and says, you are a venomous snake hanging out by the side of the road that lethally bites the horse's heel and makes the rider fall off backwards. You're like, thank you (laughs) so much. I came here, drove 30 miles just to hear that that wondrous word. Imagine your dismay. Did he just call you a snake? Not only a snake, you're not like even a king snake. You're not even a gopher snake. You're not even a beneficial snake. You're like a venomous snake. You came to hear a word like, you are a beautiful princess. Your frog will soon turn to a prince as you continue to show him the affection of the Lord. You're like, yes, or your humble home will become a castle. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. Our dismay has to do with our misunderstanding of what a blessing is. You see, it's a blessing to know there's a venomous snake in your nature and that venomous snake has to be given to god because otherwise you have the potential to be lethal you have the potential to kill to make people stumble and fall this gives you an opportunity to know that nature i think that's the problem with all these personality tests that we say that we take they're not honest I know this woman who was like, I took a personality test, and I am just a lover. And I was looking at her going, wow, that is never the estimation I would give to you. You know, I I think everyone's personalities, this is just something that is not biblical. But I believe everyone's personalities can be found in a Winnie the Pooh book. And I believe you can be a Winnie that you're just kind of like happy and you're not really aware of everything that's going around you. You can be a rabbit, which means you're like super bossy. You can be an Eeyore that always sees the cup half full. You can be a roux, You're very motherly and nurturing. Okay, I'm going too far to prove my theory. Uh, if you want to know more about these, you read Winnie the Pooh, the original. But I, I find that, So many times these personality tests are only telling us the best about ourselves, but not the honest estimation. You've got the potential in your nature for this. That's a better blessing because it tells you, you better give that nature to God. You better do this. It invites repentance and dedication to the Lord. I love that because it tells us that the word of God, it's a blessing. It's a book of blessing, but also the word of God honestly assesses the human condition and tells us what our problem is. And it gives us the remedy to that problem. The remedy being give yourself a hundred percent to the Lord. Let him come in and take authority over that nature. Now in Genesis 49, again, Jacob brings all his sons together that he might bless them think about this all of his life Jacob had wanted the blessing for 40 years he wanted the blessing of his father a blessing that culturally should go to his older brother Jacob bargained for this blessing he deceived for this blessing he pretended to be somebody else that he might get this blessing And yet this blessing that he connived and deceived his father for, for a time seemed to be a curse. It drove him from his homeland. It separated him from his father and from his mother. It forced him into a time of forced slavery to his uncle. Yet it brought to bear the potential of all the promises of God that were given to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac to be realized in his life. Genesis 28, 13 through 15. It didn't come immediately. Those blessings weren't realized immediately. They came. They came sporadically sometimes. They came um, in the future but they came. And what we see is God's divine intervention, the blessing of a promise of land, the promise of descendants, the promise that the Messiah of the world would come through Jacob's lineage, the promise of God's presence and the promise of God's word guaranteed. Now, Jacob wants to give these same promises. He wants to bring all of his sons, all 12 of his sons under the promises of Abraham into the same covenant. So he calls them together for a blessing meeting. And Jacob called his sons together and said, gather together that I may tell you what will befall you in the last days. Now this phrase last days means the time following and does not refer to a specific Epic, as much as an unspecified time that will follow. Kind of like we said, in the fall, we will be studying the pastoral epistles. We don't know what day it will start. We have no idea at all. In fact, we are praying and hoping that we get to gather together in the fall, but it's in the future. So I said in the fall, speaking of a time that is not uh, defined completely but is in the future. So last days, when you come to that phrase, last days in the Bible, it refers to the future. Gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel, your father. Sons of Jacob refers to their natural nature. Israel, your father refers to the promises and blessings of God. Israel is the covenant name, the name of promise. And it is under this name that the sons would realize the blessing even as Jacob could not receive a blessing in his own name but had to receive the name as he wrestled with God which signified the change of nature. You see, we can only receive the blessings of God when we are under the authority of God. God. You know, blessing is not just something that you just get no matter what. Blessings are only yours if you're under the authority of God. For instance, the man might have warned me against the coyote, but if I insisted on going down that path, I had no guarantee against the attack of a coyote. Blessings are only realized when we're under the authority of the God who blesses. Jacob begins with Leah's sons. Reuben is the oldest. And in verses three and four, we Jacob says, you had the potential. You're the firstborn. You were the beginning of my might and strength. You were dignified and excellent in power. Here is all of this potential in Reuben. He's the firstborn. He was meant to have the greatest blessing, Uh, the blessing that we'll read that Judah and Joseph later received. It was meant to go to Reuben, but because of his ambition, because of his lust, he was unstable. He could not lead. A leader needed to be stable, needed to be fixed on God so he could lead others and set an example So he would not excel. Here is both potential and danger. Here is God's intent intent. His intention was that Reuben would excel, that he would be mighty and strong and dignified and excellent in power. But the object that felled it was his own lust and ambition. Here is a warning the blessing of a warning. You have the potential, it's still in you to excel, to be dignified. Do not give in to your lust and your ambition. Interesting, when Joshua gave the land to Israel, Reuben chose to settle on the east side of the Jordan and not in the promised land, not in the covenanted land. Because he saw that the land in the east was already settled, already conquered, already uh, for farming and already had towns in it and buildings that they could take over and assume and dwell in. You have Simeon and Levi, instruments of cruelty. Wow, that would be something to hear at a blessing meeting, wouldn't it? Their friendship was not healthy and it jeopardized the welfare of the nation of Israel. They had already jeopardized the family of Israel, not once, but twice. Once in Shechem, the second time when they were party to selling their brother, Joseph, to Egypt. They had a problem with anger, fierce, wrath, cruel. In their vengeance, they went too far to overkill. When when they avenged, they went beyond vengeance to plundering the people, to capturing the wives. It was wrong. It wasn't just. It was overkill. And so Jacob pronounces the blessing, you're going to be separated. (laughs) You two are not, healthy for each other. So I'm going to separate you. You know, it's interesting because years ago, I recognized that I had a problem with gossip. This is some, probably 18 or 19 years ago. I felt the Holy Spirit say, you've been gossiping lately. And that's really displeasing to me. And I said, Lord, you're right, I repent. But there are two women in my life that whenever I talk to them, it goes from zero to gossip in less than five seconds. And I don't know how to stop it. I don't know what to do. And the Lord took both of those women out of my life uh, within three months, both were removed. Now I had no excuse, (laughs) do not gossip. It was God separating and it was healthier for them, and it was healthier for me. Simeon and Levi were not good for each other. They needed to be separated. It's interesting, again, when it comes to the land of Israel, Simeon was put in the midst of all the tribes. Like, we're going to watch you. you. You can't do naughty things. You can't let your anger uh, grow. In fact, his tribe was situated in the middle of the tribe of Judah. Levi then became, um, had no certain uh, uh, jurisdiction. In fact, they were scattered throughout the tribes of Israel. Interesting that they were the lawgiver tribe. They were the ones, they were kind of like the police force. God says, I'll put this to good use. We'll make you the police force and you will give people the law of God and enforce it in the towns wherever you are but you'll be separated because together you're a little dangerous it's interesting to note that it was the tribe of Levi that cried for the crucifixion uh, crucifixion of Jesus they're the ones who said crucify him and would not be sated with exile or anything less uh, not with scourging but with Jesus who had done no evil they wanted crucifixion Judah is the next son now this is the blessing you want Oh, what a blessing. None of Judah's past infractions are mentioned. Don't you love that? Not one. Not, well, you did this. Like Reuben, you, you, you know, you slept with Bilhah, bad. Uh, Simeon and Levi, you were angry. Uh, you took too much vengeance. Now we know Judah was complicit in the selling of Joseph. We know that Judah was, um, had two evil sons who God slew. We know that Judah was not honest in his dealings with Tamar. And yet none of these are mentioned. In fact, Praise awaits his future. There's been such a dramatic change in Judah, probably much like the change that happened to Jacob when he became Israel. Judah now begins to live up to his name, praise. He is a cause to give God glory. We're told he'll have victory over his enemies, that his father's children will bow His brothers at some time will all bow down to the tribe of Judah, that he's like a lion, a lion who um, is strong, a lion who gets his prey. And we're told that the scepter, the royal dynasty or a lawgiver will not depart from Judah until Shiloh or the right translation or the one whose right it is to hold the scepter, the one whose right it is to give the law, comes, and the Shiloh are the one whose right it is. It's a messianic reference that, for years, has been recognized by rabbis and by scholars. This is speaking of the branch, uh, the 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 uh, shoot that will come out of Jesse or the tribe of Judah, the one whose right it is to hold the scepter. To him belongs the obedience of the people. Then we have this image of a donkey being bound to the vine. Now, a donkey would not be Uh, bound to an ordinary grapevine because a donkey would be so strong it would just pull it out of the ground because most grapevines are weak. In fact, they don't make houses out of the wood of grapevines. Uh, You might make wicker or rattan because it's malleable. But here is an image of such prosperity that he will bring such fruitfulness and such strong vines, uh, grapevines to Israel that you could even bind a donkey to it because that's how strong the grapevine will be. Garments washed in the blood of grapes. Again, this is messianic and cannot... Uh, referred to anybody. His eyes darker than wine uh, has to do with his authority and his power. In Revelation, we're told that Jesus has eyes that burn with fire, his teeth whiter than milk. Um, he's smiling. He's victorious. This was understood by rabbis through the ages and scholars as a messianic Reference. This is the one, the son, through whom the seed of Abraham would come. This is the seed, according to Genesis 12, 3, that all the nations of the world would be blessed by. There's an interesting event that happened in Israel in the year 7 AD. And in 7 AD, the right of capital punishment was taken away from um, the religious Jews in Israel. They were, they could not, Uh, They were not to stone. They were not to put anyone to death by their laws. Everything had to come under the jurisdiction of Rome. The religious leaders were so upset about this. And going back to this promise found in Genesis chapter 49, they said, The lawgiver has uh, departed. We've lost the scepter, the right to capital punishment. God has failed his promises. There's no Shiloh. And they marched through the streets mourning that God had failed his promises. I find that so interesting um, that they'd rather believe that God failed his promises than look around and say, where's Shiloh? (laughs) He must be here. The Messiah must have come. But remember, it was the same religious elites when the Magi came from the East and said, where is he who is born King of the Jews? And they said, go check out Bethlehem. But they didn't go. They didn't check it out. They had lost faith in the promises of God rather than look for a Messiah. Recently on a trip to Israel, we were at a place called the Temple Institute. And we were asking the young Jewish girl there about the plans to build the temple. And we asked her, are you using Solomon's plans? And she said, no, we're using the plans that we find um, of Herod's temple. And we said, why would you do Herod's temple? She said, we believe a Gentile will help us build our temple. That was interesting. But... Jesus said, but the Messiah is supposed to build the temple. She said, oh, we don't believe in the Messiah anymore. He had his chance to come. He's never come. We think that we just misunderstood those passages. Is that incredible? Rather than look for Shiloh, they would rather believe that God failed his promises rather than look for Shiloh or believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The messianic promises in the Bible are progressive. They're like, clue after clue to help those who are really interested and want to know to recognize the time of their visitation to recognize their Messiah in John 539 he was Jesus speaking to the religious elite said you search the scripture for in them you think you have life you think you have a blessing in these but these are are they which testify of me Jesus is the blessing and when we are under the authority of Jesus we are under the authority of a blessing when we are not under the authority of Jesus we don't have a chance for the blessing of God next we come to Zebulun his blessing has to do with where he will dwell and where he will live and his livelihood The location of his blessing, he is to be by the sea. Um, Zebulun's uh, allotment fell near Galilee. And it was believed that the tribe of Zebulun became fishermen. Issachar is a strong donkey. Again, is this a blessing to you? You are a strong donkey bearing burdens, but you're overly concerned with the work and you'll become enslaved to it. You will bow down under it. Great. Great. Isn't that a warning? Don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't be overcome by the burdens. Dan, this is the blessing again that I mentioned in the beginning that I really, really would not want. And yet it's a blessing to Dan to know how lethal he could be. Dan is like a poisonous snake at the side of the road that bites the horse and makes the rider fall. It's interesting. The tribe of Dan According to Judges 18 is the only tribe to refuse their allotted parcel and take another one, not allotted, not ordained by God for themselves. They refused to defeat the enemy. They were down in the area known as uh, Ashkelon. Um, they refused to defeat the enemy where they were placed. And so they went up north and they, they destroyed a peaceful Village and took it over and settled in the area north on the northern border of Israel. They were the first tribe of Israel to fall to idolatry and as a tribe to lead Israel into idolatry. They were the snake that caused Israel to fall backwards. Asher. Oh, sorry, Gad. Gad means a troop comes, remember? And it says Gad will be like a troop. It will it will um, have to fight. A troop will trample upon him, but he shall triumph at last. Then we move on to Asher. This might be some that some of you would like. Asher is gonna be rich and they will make royal dainties. Some of you who are uh, cooks, some of you, you know who you are who make that delicious sourdough bread. You are yielding the royal dainties. That's where COVID's a blessing. Some of you have started making sourdough bread. Would you have done that without COVID? I think not. Uh, sure, okay, we're moving on to Naphtali, like a deer let loose with goodly words. The idea is that um, of does running throughout Israel, bringing with them goodly words, uh, Poetry, um, beauty it's interesting with Naphtali because again there's a prophecy in Isaiah about the Messiah coming to Naphtali and bringing light with him. Naphtali um, includes the area of Nazareth and in Luke 4:22. We're told that when Jesus went to Nazareth, they marvelled at the gracious words which he spoke. Again, taking those gracious words every place, and then we come to Joseph. Here is another great word of blessing. This is the longest blessing that Jacob gives. He tells Joseph a fruitful bough like a like a, a well. Again, this um, idea of. Uh, always getting water, always being nourished. Uh, again, like Psalm 1, branches that hang over the wall, you outgrow your place, you're, um, you're exceeding your inheritance. You were shot by archers, bitterly grieved, hated, but your bow remained strong. In other words, he held the bow in place and did not shoot the arrow. Um, this is... Uh, This is a reference to the fact that he did not retaliate in kind against his brothers. There's a book that I love. It's called The Tale of Three Kings by a man named Gene Edwards. And it has to do with um, how to react to criticism, how to react to... um, bad treatment. And in that book he talks about how Saul when he hurled the spear at David, the natural response of David would to be pull that spear out and hurl it right back. Isn't that how we are? We want to always give in kind. But Joseph does not retaliate in kind. He just holds it steady. He can, he's got the power to retaliate, but he does not shoot the arrow. His bow remains strong. He's resilient against the attacks. And he's actually made stronger through the adversities because of God's hand upon him. In his life, the care of the shepherd of Israel, and he's taking care of his brothers like a shepherd. God shepherded him. God stayed with him during uh, the persecution by his brothers, uh, during the trip um, held by the Midianites as a prisoner uh, As a slave in Potiphar's house, as a prisoner again in the jail of Pharaoh. Um, He is the the stone of Israel or the rock that never moves. uh, This attribute of God being so strong and invincible and not moving. Joshua who led the people into the land of promise and gave their allotments Um, in the promised land was a descendant of Joseph from the tribe of Ephraim. So we see this leadership here um, as the firstborn, Joshua. And again, we see the leadership of the tribe of Judah in the dynasty of David and then in our Messiah. So blessings, God's good intentions from the Almighty, from the heaven above, of the deep or unseen, from the womb or descendants, from the fathers, Excellent blessings, abundant blessings up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills on his head and on his crown. I mean, Jacob is saying to Joseph, I want you just to swim in the blessings. You know, isn't that interesting when you think of the grace of God? um, The grace of God is such a blessing and God means us to be overwhelmed and just swimming in his grace, just overcome by it that it would fill us and we would be filled with the grace of God. This is this is the blessings that God wants. And we're told in Ephesians 1 that all the blessings are ours in heavenly places. We are blessed with all blessings. We could live like this if we come under the authority of Jesus Christ. Even the curses will be turned to blessings. Now, when you look at Joseph's life, it wasn't one of... Um, in our mind of, of blessing after blessing. I mean, think about it. He's thrown into a pit. His brothers hate him. As Jacob said, he's shot at, he's a slave. He's falsely accused. He's placed in prison, but because he kept the Lord always before him, all those things were turned into a blessing. That the things that, um, satan meant for evil were all turned to good and became a blessing. Then you've got Benjamin. Now I find this fascinating because Benjamin is the other favored son. He's the one that Jacob clung to when he thought he lost Joseph. And yet he says to Benjamin whose name means son of my right hand or it should be a bless a blessing place a blessed name, but he says you're a ravenous wolf. <laughs> you're dangerous. You go hunting in the morning and night, you share your food with others. And you could look at these and say, these are blessings. Obviously, what is said to Judah and Joseph, those joint patriarchs, we can say, now that's a blessing. But these are blessings. It says these were the blessings that were appropriate to each son. These were the blessings that they needed to hear in order to protect them from their own nature, from their own propensity to safeguard the promises of God to them and to their children. I, I think it's interesting that the ravenous wolf and the biting snake, these weren't removed from the covenant. They were still under the covenant, but they would not experience the blessings or the privilege of being in the covenant if they did not give those natures to God. These blessings spoke of their future. They were prophetic. It is what would happen. Jacob ended the blessings by charging his sons to bury him in the cave at Machpelah, the cave where Isaac and Rebecca and Abraham and Sarah were buried. And interestingly enough, it's the place where Leah is buried, not Rachel, but Leah is buried because Leah becomes the covenant wife. Why? Because Judah, because the lion of the tribe of Judah, because the seed of Abraham, this blessed lineage of Jesus, the Messiah, would come through Leah. So she is in the cave of promise. This also this burial of Jacob in Israel at this cave would remind the brothers of the surety of the blessings that they received from their father and that their future was in Canaan, in the promises of God, not in the kingdoms of this world. Jacob had reserved his remaining strength in order to speak these blessings, these words over his sons. And then he died. It was with everything that he had, he gave these blessings to each one, not leaving one out. Before we go into chapter 50, I would like to ask, which tribe's blessing would you want? Isn't it the blessing of Judah or Joseph? Yet, whatever the word That was given. It's important to remember it was their word. It was the right word. It was the treasured word. It was the expedient word. And it was the word that they were to pass down to their children. You know, we're all a bunch of ravenous wolves. We better watch out for that. You know, sometimes we have things in our nature that are just propensities. They are just something that you can say, oh, my mother was like that. It's it's almost in our DNA. But even those things need to be submitted to the Lord. And the Lord can take those things if they're submitted and take that curse and turn it into a blessing if we give it to the authority and put it under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, Jacob had reserved his greatest blessing For Joseph. And Joseph then became a dispensary of blessing. He did not keep the blessings for himself, but sought to bless his brothers. Uh, this reminds me of my daughter, Kristen. Whenever we would give her money for a field trip, she would come back with something for all of us. She always would just buy. And she still, she has this one closet that is just filled with gifts for people because she like, oh, they'd like that. I'm going to get this. And so she has, she's impoverished because she's always buying for other people constantly. And I never know when I'm going to get something for Kristen or what I'm going to get from her. But I know I'm going to get something because she just does that. She's always giving these unexpected gifts. My mother-in-law is a lot like that. And I think my daughter got that from her. Um, I do have uh, two sons and it's interesting because they didn't get so much that nature. I remember one Christmas, my mother gave uh, my son Char $40 to buy presents for the whole family. And you know what Char did? He spent $35 at Toys R Us on himself. He was left with $5, but that's all right because he found a um, ramble cell, a rumble cell, which is like a used cell at a church where people were selling used items. And he was able for $5 to get each of us a gift. Uh, for me, he got me some plastic pearls that I think uh, once hung on curtains um, It's interesting the gifts that we got that Christmas. Uh, Needless to say, everyone was just a little bit upset with him. But blessings are entrusted to those who will give them out and not hoard them there are people who want all the blessings of God for themselves. They want all of God's forgiveness. They want all of God's goodness. They want all of God's acceptance, all of God's kindness, all of God's grace just for me. But don't forgive that person. You know, hold that sin against that person. Don't forgive them. Don't be good to them. Don't accept them. Don't be kind to them. They might let a woman preach. There are You know, the the silliest infractions that we want God to hold against others. And yet we want him to forgive us of everything, but hold trifling things against others. Things that aren't even biblically supported. Isn't that how we are? We want God to be harsh and unforgiving and vengeful to others. But Peter reminds us that is not what we're called to. We are not called to give evil for evil or reviling for reviling. And Peter says this, but on the contrary, in exact um, opposition to that, we are to give blessings. We are called to this. What are we called to? We are called to. To bless. We are called to be a blessing. And Peter says that you may inherit the blessing. In other words, if you want God to bless you, you better start blessing others. That's the way to the blessing of God. In Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said, what you want others to do for you, do for them. You model it. And then you'll get it back. Do you want to be blessed? Then bless others. Do you want people to say a blessing word? Not the snake word, not the ravenous wolf word. But wouldn't you like someone to come up to you and say, you know, you're like Naftali. You have all these good words. You're a natural poet. I love the way you write. I love the way you pray. I love the way you speak. Don't, shouldn't we be affirming and confirming? Shouldn't we be seeking? How can I bless others? When I first, um, married Brian. Before we would go to church, he'd be like, wait, 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 we got to pray. We got to pray that God shows us who we can bless tonight. You know, I grew up in church, 20 years in church, and I had never thought to pray about who I could bless at church. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm here. Aren't you blessed? No, not really. But the idea of like going there intentionally to bless. I remember um, years ago, the Lord spoke to me about writing down my favorite scripture as I was reading um, through my Devos, my devotions that morning, writing down like my favorite scripture and then praying over it because there was somebody that I was to give it to that day. And I never knew who it was going to be. Was it going to be the guy who was selling paints at the paint store? Uh, In fact, when I gave it to him, my son put his hands on his hips and says, she's married, you know. (laughs) It's like, thank you so much. It's not a love note. It's a blessing from the Lord. But we need to be intentional about how to bless and being a blessing and praying that we might be a blessing because this is a call on our life by God. We are not called to criticize. We are not called to condemn. Even Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved our call on our life is to bless to be a blessing and to bring others into the blessing unto a place that they can be blessed joseph fell on his father's face and he wept and he used his position in egypt again to be a blessing to Jacob, to fulfill this dying request. Jacob's embalmed to preserve his body from decay. He's mourned with a ceremony befitting a dignitary. He's buried by his sons and grandsons at the cave at Machpelah. And Joseph's brothers again, um, at this point, become conscious of the evil that they did to Joseph. They expect Reprisals. They are afraid of Joseph, and their fear is based on their perception. In other words, it's based on what they have done and what they deserve rather than on the goodness of Joseph or what Joseph has done for them in the past and what they have from Joseph. It's all based on what they feel that they deserve. They just, it's all what they did in the past uh, to Joseph was reprehensible. And it's hard for them to receive the forgiveness of Joseph. They go to Joseph and they say, uh, dad really wanted us to come to you and and tell you that we're really sorry we sinned, but God, but dad also wanted you to forgive us. And so they're saying, you know, if we just use, if we bring um, Jacob in the picture, because Joseph loved are your so much. And then they say, we're servants of God too. Remember, we're servants of, of the God of Jacob, just like you are. You have to be nice to us. And at this point, Joseph weeps. He weeps like, have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me? It reminds me of how Jesus spoke to Philip when Philip on the night that Jesus would be betrayed, said to Jesus, "Show us the Father, and it will suffice us." Jesus looked at Philip and says, "Philip, have I been so long with you this last three years? And yet you don't recognize me that he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how are you saying to me, Show us the Father, and then we'll be satisfied how can How can you talk like that? Joseph weeps. Because his brothers don't see the providence of God. And you know, let me say this. When we are looking too much at ourselves, we will not see the providence of God or the goodness of God. And we will predicate God's goodness on our goodness, on our performance, rather than on who he is and all he has done and all of his goodness goodness if you are in doubt about the goodness of God let me say this get your eyes off yourself boom that's it get your eyes off yourself and put them on the Lord and his goodness and all that he has done I think about this story in Mark chapter 7 in Mark chapter 7 uh, the disciples are getting on the boat with Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says beware the leaven of the Pharisees um, the Pharisees had just been challenging Jesus and said, oh, if you just give us the sign that we're asking for, we'll believe in you. It was a lie. It was their hypocrisy. They weren't going to believe Jesus no matter what. So Jesus turns to the disciples and he's really saying to them, beware hypocrisy. Beware pretending to be authentic and truthful when you're not. And the disciples look at each other and they're like, oh, this is about the fact that we forgot the bread. In other words, they're looking at their own deficiencies. Uh, We should have been more responsible. Uh, We should have remembered to bring bread. This is a secret message to us saying, you failed, you're failing, you need to be more responsible, you need to get your act together. Uh, You know, I'm Jesus after all, what are you gonna feed me? And Jesus looks at him and says, why are you reasoning among yourselves? I think they were even saying, Peter, where's the bread? You forgot it. It was your responsibility. And he said, well, I thought Andrew would get it from some kid. And he forgot. They're putting these, um, no doubt, these uh, stipulations on each other. And Jesus looks at him and says, what are you doing? This isn't about forgotten bread. Do you not remember when there were 5,000 hungry men and I fed them? And how many baskets were left over? And they said 12. He said, right. And when I fed the 4,000 hungry men and the women and the children, how many baskets then were left over? Seven. And Jesus said, this is not about Forgotten bread, this is not about your responsibility. This is about listening and understanding what I am saying to you. You see, if our eyes are too much on ourselves and on our performance, are we doing this right and that right and this right and that right? Are we measuring up to these standards? We will misunderstand Jesus we will misunderstand the purposes of Jesus and we will misunderstand the word of Jesus. This is exactly what was happening with Joseph's brothers. They were predicating Joseph's goodness on their performance. We've been good so far. We haven't shown these uh, our, our, our nature. We're trying to be so good in Goshen. And Joseph cries, he weeps they still did not understand their brother. They had been living for 17 years under the blessing of Joseph and yet they still distrusted him. 17 years and yet they still expected evil from him. 17 years and they expected at best to be his servants, not his brothers, 17 years. Years again because they predicated his goodness on what they had done rather than on who he, Joseph, was. They knew they deserved the worst, so they thought that he would retaliate in some major, in the same measure, at some unexpected time. It would all come back. But Joseph was a blessing. His nature was to bless. He realized that he had been called to bless, that everything, every circumstance in his life was part of God's call to bless his brothers, to bless the sons of Jacob, to preserve them. Joseph wants them to turn to God do not be afraid for am I in the place of God get your eyes off of me get them on God I will not be God in your lives I think that's a word for some of you no offense ravenous wolf poisonous snake could be worse I'm saying to you you are not called to be God in other people's lives You are not called to bring vengeance or to say, you did that wrong, so you don't deserve this. That is not the call on your life. Your call, remember, is to bless. Your call is to be a blessing, to protect whether they deserve it or not, to bring the blessing of God into the picture. This is the call. Maybe even to tell people, here's what God and how he wants to bless you. you want it, you can have it. As Jesus said, if you knew who it was who was speaking to you and the gift that he has, you would ask him for living water and he would say, sure, have as much as you want. He would give it to you. Are we doing that? Are we saying here's living water and you can have it if you will just receive Jesus? This is the call on our lives. Do not be afraid for I am not in the place of God. He was not their judge. They have a greater judge. In fact, I feel like people sometimes that they are prone to evil because they think they stand before men and men can be deceived. But you know what? We stand before God who sees Everything, even the motivation of the heart. But as for you, you meant evil against me. Yeah, you were bad. You were so bad, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many alive, you might have meant it for evil, but God turned it to good. God is a blessing God who can even overcome the curse of sin even overcome the worst evil the accumulated evil of men god can overcome it by a cross by the worst most torturous implement of men god can overcome overwhelm all the evil of man he can turn he can turn the curse on the curse and bring a blessing of salvation and an opening of all the blessings of God to pour out on us. God turned the intended evil to a blessing. And this is the story of the Bible from end to end. God takes the worst that man has done. God takes the worst of men and God harnesses all the bad things in life and says, I didn't, I didn't keep them from coming. I allowed them to run their course, but then I turned it into a blessing. Whether the curse of sin, he used the curse of sin to display his love and his grace. Whether it's the curse of Balaam, God turned it into a blessing for the children of Israel. God takes the worst, the curse of Haman and turned it into the blessing of the Jews and thus with the Roman cross of death, he turned it into the emblem of life. He took what was the emblem of shame and he turned it into the emblem of blessing. He turned what was the emblem of cruelty and turned it into the emblem of love. Only God, only God could do this through Jesus. And that's what he's done. Joseph says, thou therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And we read that Joseph continued to bless his family. He even said, take my bones after I'm embalmed, take them back to the promised land. And for 400 years, the uh, sarcophagus, of Joseph spoke to the fact that Israel would return to the land of promise and it would be theirs. It continued to bless. It was an emblem of faith according to Hebrews chapter 11. But I wanna say this, now therefore do not be afraid. Because of Jesus Christ, God will provide for you and your little ones. The blessing is yours, through Jesus Christ. But not only have we received the blessing, but again, we are called to this blessing. Everyone in life longs for a blessing. Everyone longs for a blessing. There is a longing in each of us to be blessed, to hear a blessing spoken over us, to be given a blessing. We all want a divine word of promise spoken into our lives. We all long to know where our lives are headed, but we have such a word through Jesus. Jesus is the blessing of our lives. And in Jesus, we have all the promises of God. He became a curse for us that through him, we might have all the blessings of God. And if we believe and place ourselves under his authority, we will be blessed. And we have the potential if we are under the authority of Jesus in an obedience to Jesus to overflow with blessing, to have the blessing of the, the sky above and the earth below and the, the waters all around us. And we can bless others and speak blessing over them. Blessings are warnings, potential promises, challenges, inspiring words, and prophetic. And God desires to so fill our mouth and our heart and our lives with blessings that we will spell over with blessings to others. And we will speak the blessings of God into the life of others over the life of others others. Do you long to be blessed? Then seek to be a blessing from God to others. Let's pray. Lord, as we end this study in Genesis, Lord, make us a blessing. Lord, we want to just take a time. Just take uh, some time right now. And those of you listening, I want you just to um, open your hands because opening our hands is not only to open to God, but it's also to receive from God. Because until we open our hands to God and we let him take the ravenous wolf out of us, um, take the, the venom out of our lives, until we open and let God take that away, we can never receive the blessings that he wants to put back into our hands. He wants to take the artificial, the gossip, the yuck out of our lives. Those things that we've used to protect ourselves He wants to take these out of our lives and he wants to put blessing into our hands. But these blessings that he wants to give to us, we are to distribute to others. We are to be dispensaries of blessing. So will you hold out your hands right now to the Lord and say, Lord, those things in my life that are displeasing, that are not under the authority of Jesus Christ, will you remove them? Or will you change their their nature, Lord? I bring this thing in my life under the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a gossipy tongue. I bring that under the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've got some venom that comes out. These mean words. I bring that under the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a great baker. I bring that under the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a poet. I bring that under the authority of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, talent, good or evil, I bring that under the authority of Jesus Christ that I might receive the blessing of Jesus Christ, that I might give the blessing of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, you died that you might bring us the blessing of God. You died that we might be saved to bless and to be a blessing. God, will you work in us? Will you work in us? Will you so thoroughly work your blessing in us that we will not be those who curse others or condemn others, that we will not try to be God to others, but we will let you be God and we will be the blessings of God. We will be the dispensary of the blessings of God. Lord, this I pray as we, finish up Genesis. Lord, I pray that every woman who has studied Genesis, every woman who has read Genesis, every woman who has participated in the study, even if she didn't do some of the homework, that she would not predicate her blessings on what she has done, but on who you are, the blessing God, and that she would become a blessing. God, make us blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.